And we're back for another episode of the Ask Your Cousin podcast. It's How are you, Lay? It's really good to be back. It is good to be back. We, we plan to be back earlier than this, but, uh, you know, Christmas and life happens. So here we are. A lot's happened. Well, a lot's happened, yeah. A lot happened today, a lot happened last night, and a lot happened since we last spoke. What have you been your thoughts on the market? Uh, well, so last night we had the Dow go up over a thousand points. That's the highest points rise ever. So that's something to be happy about. But um, prior to that, it's been a fall that has been, that I've never seen before. I've never seen a market fall just so consistently, 2% a day, 2% a day, just falling, 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 falling into very, you know, from a technical perspective, very oversold um, territory. So I've been waiting for a bounce. There's no way I could have predicted a bounce like we saw last night, but... Yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty bleak until then. But uh, you know, yeah. I guess we we're probably predicting it would, it would run up a little bit into Christmas, but... Yeah, we were hoping for the, the good old Christmas rally. You know, the statistics show that I think 24 out of the last 27 Decembers were positive for the ASX. So um, the odds were in our favour, but unfortunately the sentiment wasn't. So... Uh, the month's not over yet. It was down over 5%. It's down about 3%, I think. So, you know, there's still a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's still a chance we could finish positive, but I, I, uh, I would not bet on that. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you, do you see that we'll uh, continue the downtrend, or do you think that's a... Uh... Yeah, the trend, the trend is down at the moment, obviously. I think we are very oversold, even despite the rise last night although the rise last night was a very sharp rise so i think we'll probably need to digest that a little bit but when you have a rise that strong you know you do get a situation where you've got people that are shorting the market that need to cover their positions so who knows it could follow through um but you'd have to just again looking at the technicals of the market you'd have to say that the 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 medium term trend at least is down do you make a distinction here between the ASX and, and what's happening over in the States? Do you, do you just see them as, as very intertwined or do you think that there's, they're going to diverge at some point? Yeah, I mean, they're very correlated at the moment. When you've got, when you, you can have a market moving, you know, half a percent a day and then you can get divergences. But when you've got such strong leads coming overnight from America of 2%, 4 3%, NASDAQ even more, uh, we just, and, and the interesting thing is, what I've observed is our market on a lot of these days has performed quite well compared to the lead that it's been given from America and then it's been sold off at, in the last uh, hour of trade. And that selling has come through the futures market. And so that's your big institution selling, most likely overseas institutions selling down our market. So I have felt for some time that there is an under, underlying strength in our market, that there's a lot of stocks that are trying to rise. And you'll see that, you'll see in the morning that the stocks will be up, they'll, they'll dip on the lead, but then they'll recover throughout the day, but then they're getting smashed again at the end of the day. And uh, I don't think that's um, so much local sellers, I think that's overseas sellers really pushing our market down. So. There already is a bit of a divergence. There's no way. We haven't fallen to the same extent that the American market has. Um, and that's also why we didn't bounce back anywhere near as strong as it did, um, you know, last night over there today. So um, I think that overall, as I say, big falls, we're all, we're all in this together, basically. 
Yeah. It's interesting to think about them uh, in terms of their subsections as well. So yeah. we, we often talk about the market as a whole, but yeah. when you start breaking down into, say, technology yep. or resources and other sectors, you do see some mirroring between those, those things. I, I've noticed particularly in technology that... Yep. It, it's fluctuated very heavily and yeah. it does tend to follow those leads yeah. quite quite rapidly yeah even if the stocks are very unrelated it yes is. yeah absolutely absolutely and what you what you find particularly in a market like this where it's so um severely fallen and so consistently fallen is the divergence i guess comes in how much it falls there's nothing rising really it's just you know you've got for instance in the american market the small caps have been hit extremely hard uh, more so than the tech stocks. So that's a subset within that market that obviously is, is really um, leading the market. And then you've got your materials and, and all these sorts of things as well. And so, um, you know, at the moment, there's, there's definitely parts, pockets of the market that's outperforming, but it's just, as I say, by how much it's fallen, not by rising. Yeah. So do you see opportunities at the moment? <laughs> um, yeah, of course there's opportunities. Again, it depends on what sort of time frame you want to look short term it's hard to see opportunity i mean short term we're probably due f- for the market to bounce i mean obviously we've seen a bit of a bounce today it probably it's just it's it looks very oversold technically so we could go back up another you know 150 points and we would still comfortably be in a downtrend and and, and i think that's probably going to happen but it just depends it's very sentiment driven at the moment at the moment it's very very negative in so many respects it will shift it will it always does maybe we're seeing the start of that shift at the moment um, but short term i don't see many opportunities i i don't want to jump in and try and catch the falling knife i want to see some um I, what I want to see is some more change in sentiment more than anything. So rather than looking at the market, looking at stocks, I want to see the narrative start to change. And when you start hearing things like, oh, yes, the market is now pricing in the fact that maybe the fall isn't going to be as bad as we first thought, that the recession may not be till 2020. When you start hearing that, or Trump and Kim have you now come to a better, a better agreement or more likely to, you start hearing that, then you'll see the sentiment will start to shift and things won't be seen as so bad. And so that's what I'll be looking for. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting because the way I look at it and think about it is that if everyone's talking about a recession and everybody's very cautious about these things, then what I, I see it as that, that as being a good thing in a way, as being a sort of defensive thing. There's, there's sort of an awareness about a shifting of cycle. There's not yep. an irrational exuberance. That, that's probably where I'd start to get worried. But yeah. the way it is now, I, I, I don't see that the valuations are anything obscene. It's, yeah. it's not like one of those... 2008 1999 type situations there's nothing like that yeah uh seemingly at play yeah so i find that as something that's positive generally. yeah well it is a positive there's, there's a number of positives you know that is a positive the fact that a lot of risk has been taken out of the market just by virtue of the fact that we've come back 20 percent roughly yeah. in the u.s so that's that's a good thing um the other thing, just to get back to your, your point on divergence, is there is one divergence, and divergence is in the fundamentals. You know, generally speaking, economies, uh, developed economies, are doing quite well. The American economy is doing quite well. So this could be seen as an overreaction to obviously slowing growth perhaps in China, rising interest rates in America, all these sorts of things. But they're not as bad as the, the severity of the fall would suggest mm. there's certainly at this stage no evidence of any 
financial explosions about to go off or anything like that, major bankruptcies, none of that. So, you know, it is, that's the, uh, that's the one real positive I think to take at the moment, or at least to be optimistic about maybe there being a substantial bounce in the markets is that yes, the markets are down, but when you look around, what's so bad about the economies, you know, at the moment, the growth is strong, employment's strong, Retail sales seem to, you know, have been very good over Christmas. So, you know, there's prosperity in, in, in America. And um, I, and obviously with Donald Trump, he's cut taxes. He's got companies to repatriate profits back to the country. There's a lot of positives for that economy. Um, so it could turn around, particularly with the, uh, the trade war as well. If we get some resolution there, then I think it will go from being all bleak to oh, it's, things aren't as bad as we thought and that will be what will drive a rally. Yeah, I think a lot of negative sentiment is, is almost just feeling like it can't go on forever. But, yeah. but I, I don't see that there's, as, you, as you're pointing out, that there's any major problems or yeah. serious concerns. There are some issues that would potentially be disastrous if they come to fruition, but mm. at the moment I think things look reasonable. Yeah, so, and again, back to your point of, you know, do I see any opportunities? From a short-term perspective, it's hard looking at the markets technically. From a medium to longer-term perspective, yes, some value has definitely emerged um, in, in these stock markets, these stocks that have just been sold down that have no correlation to the issues that we're seeing, you know, and that, and that weren't overpriced to start with. You know, there were a lot of stocks that were overpriced before, no doubt about it, longest bull run in history. Um, but a lot of stocks have come back to what you would say a fair value, growth stocks, good stocks, stocks like your REAs. Uh, they've come back from 90 something dollars to 70 something dollars. The growth outlook is still great. They're looking at probably growing 25% per annum for the next 10 years probably. So um, based on that, you know, they're looking pretty good. They're not looking cheap, mm. but you can't say they're expensive anymore. Yeah, I think it still trades on a fairly significant premium, but yeah, it's, it's not what it was. It's not what it was. Yeah, it's not what it was. Yeah, and and a great growth company, obviously. With a yeah, lot of, and I use a that. To like about I, it. I use that as an example of a stock that's, you know, has been a bit of a market darling, and you know, no doubt did get ahead of itself when it was ninety dollars a share. Yeah, um, but now you know at seventy something, early seventies, you know, you could start to look at. I wouldn't be buying it today, um, but it's it's definitely become a lot more. Uh, fair value, I yeah. think. I think it's based on its overall long-term sort of uh, historical trend and growth rates and all that, you could probably say it's around fair value. But yeah. do you want to buy stocks at fair value or do you want to buy stocks below fair value hoping that they, you know, uh, go back to fair value? So yeah, that's why that's I wouldn't it. be I mean, looking to buy that at the yeah, moment. It's a great company. If you can get a great company at a fair price, then, then yeah. that and might be enough. And if you're looking for something to buy and hold for 10 years, well then, yeah, you're going to... I, I think you're going to be pretty happy with yourself if you bought REA today and held it for 10 years and didn't look at it in between. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of put it in the category of CSL. Like CSL yeah. got got too far ahead of itself. It's come back. It's still too expensive. Still pretty mine, expensive, but, yeah. But it's also a wonderful company that's yeah. likely to keep compounding over the next 10 years. And again, if you put yeah. your money there, you're probably not going to regret that decision in a decade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they've got a very good uh, niche in the market, so... And they don't let you down at this point. When they let you down, that's when the air will come out of that stock. But mm. at this point, it doesn't look like there's any reason why that shouldn't keep um, producing the results. Is there anything you've bought or sold in the last fortnight? There is. There is one stock that I bought. 
um, I think it was pretty much, it was either, I think it may, may have been just the day after our last podcast or around about then. And the stock was Western Areas. Uh, the code is WSA. It's a nickel miner. Okay. Um, I've never heard of it. Never heard of it? Okay. Um, it's a fairly big company. It's got a market cap of about 530 mil. <laughs> we do our research on this show. We do. We, well, we, we're starting to at least anyway. Um, but uh. the thing about this stock is there's a lot of different ways to try and play the electric car um, thematic, I suppose. So, you know, whether it's through lithium in the batteries or whether it's through cobalt or um, graphite, all these are, you know, different ways to play it. But um, I, I think if you want to be a little bit more conservative, you could probably look more for a stock like Western Areas, which is a nickel miner, because obviously there are a lot more... You know, Something like lithium has pretty much got one usage. And if they decide, look, this lithium is a bit too flimsy or we come up with a new technology, well, that's the end of lithium. It will go from where it is to absolutely zero. But something like nickel, we're always going to need. It's an important ingredient in steel uh, as well as um, lots of other things. But it is uh, a lot of these batteries are based on nickel. So um, I read something about um, the electric car vehicle market that they're uh, expected to increase their demand for uh, nickel tenfold by 2025 that's a pretty bullish uh, statement and it is made by a nickel mining company uh, so you know take that as you want but uh, but nevertheless that's a strong theme this is a a, a small stock when it comes to uh, you know obviously your big mining stocks so I also see this stock as a takeover target because it has come back a lot in its share price and it's sitting at multi-year lows now, as is the nickel price. So this is the funny thing. There's all this bullishness around nickel and electric cars, but if you look at the share price or the, the, the commodity price of nickel, it has come back uh, about 50% right. um, in the last uh, few months. So it's a pretty substantial fall, but to me it looks like it's probably stabilizing around these levels. Um, and again, if your outlook is for the markets to, to, to not be, you know, this not to, to be the end of the world this fall, well, then this will be a stock that will outperform. You know, if the markets go up 10%, this will go up more than 10%. Um, but, you know, looking at it from a medium perspective, and this is the only reason why I bought it, because I did buy this with a medium to longer term view, because as I said, short term, I'm not that excited at the moment. Um, but if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think this is a, a, a good op a, a good potential takeover target. A lot of the big mining companies, your Rio's and your BHP, incidentally, BHP is the third uh, biggest miner of nickel in the world. They've been divesting a lot of assets, so they're trying to become more focused businesses. BHP, third biggest uh, nickel miner, I don't think they're gonna get out of nickel. If anything, they're probably gonna look to strengthen that position once they've finished their divestments. So uh, we haven't seen a lot of taking, uh, takeovers in this space where normally the resources space is an area where there are a lot of takeovers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that picks up again maybe next year because there, are, there is a lot of value emerging with this uh, market sell-off. And these companies like BHP and Rio, this time around in the cycle, they're sitting on uh, very, very healthy balance sheets. And this is only a $500 million company for a company like BHP. I don't know what it's valued at, but it's multiple billions. Uh, this is only a fairly small, but yet it would be a, a fairly significant um, 
addition to their nickel portfolio. Yeah, right. So what attracted you to that particular company? Was it was it the size or its prospects? Yeah, I mean, basically, the first thing that attracted me to it was just the numbers. Yeah. Okay, so earnings are forecast to grow very strongly, um, you know, based on broker analysis uh, over the next couple of years. So you're looking at over a 200% sort of growth rate over the next two or three years. Uh, so that's the first thing. It's trading on a price earnings ratio of 16 on 2019's forecast earnings. But as I said, they're expected to grow quite uh, substantially uh, beyond that. Um, so just based on those numbers, it's looking pretty attractive. Yep. Um, also, as I said, from a technical perspective, it's come right back down to a long-term support level around about that $2 mark. Um, so I think, you know, again, if you're taking a medium to longer term view, uh, this is probably a good place to get into this stock. This is a stock that's traded over $5 previously. And as I said, it's sitting around $2 at the moment. So I think it's uh, not a bad one to, to buy and put in the bottom drawer and hope that the uh, electrical, um, the electric car phenomenon delivers. Yep. And this stock will, you know, the problem is if you bought this and thought you're going to look for it in 10 years, you'll probably find that you've got BHP shares or something <laughs> like that in about five of them. But yeah. nevertheless, uh, that wouldn't be such a bad result. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. The the, um, the electric car thematic is obviously something that, that a lot of people would like to play. It's, the difficulty is, as you say, predicting exactly how that's going to unfold. Correct. But uh, I like the idea of, of using nickel where it's cross-purposes. and Correct, and... correct. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to be used in the, the structure of the vehicle. It's going to be used in the power unit of the vehicle. It's going to be used in the battery um, component of the vehicle, you would think. But again, technology changes fast. Uh, but, you know, anyway, I, I think that, um, that that's one I've added recently. Yep. And um, I don't see it dropping much lower. If it did, I'd probably pick up some more, um, again, with that longer-term view. But, um, yeah, so. Yeah, that's a good one to watch. What was the code again? Uh, the code is WSA. The code yep. is, the stock is called Western Areas Limited. And, uh, incidentally, they have... It's, it's, the other thing I like about this stock, just a further point, is their operations are based in Australia. So you get a lot of these mining companies and they look dirt cheap and then you find that they're in Africa and they're in all sorts of different parts of the world which are very unstable and a government changes and everything changes. So, um, you know, obviously this one's based here and the nickel that they're mining, the resource, they have two resources and I believe they're amongst the most... Um, richest in, in um, nickel in the world so uh, high quality assets yeah, right. which again will you know this is the sort of company that big resource companies take over uh, when they've got good long life uh, assets like western areas does i'm just impressed that you've learned the name of the company that's yeah I, I i absolutely made sure that i came with both the code <laughs> and the name of the company this time around i won't make that mistake again <laughs> So what about you, my man? Any uh, any stocks, any trades, any action or anything take your fancy at uh, the moment? It has been pretty quiet for me, mainly uh, just due to other circumstances and not really having the uh, the additional funds available. Though I did buy uh, some more Redbubble, which we've spoken about before. It's, uh, yeah. uh, it dropped again below 90 cents, which I think was crazy. Yep. Um, it's come back a bit today, but I yep. still think it's great value, but below a dollar if, um, yep. you know, so... That, that's a stock that I'm, I'm well invested in now. So I'm yep. 
we've we've done that to death anyway, so I won't continue yep. with that one. But the other thing that I bought um, was actually Apple. Ah, uh, yes. So going into an international theme. Yeah. Uh, it it was just looking too cheap for the kind of company that it is. I yep. think there's there's concerns about it. There's concerns about supply chains and relationships with China. Yep. Uh, there's concerns about the number of units being sold and whether that's likely to decrease over time uh, and various other issues stemming from those too. Uh, but to me, it's one of the best companies in the world. It trades at a very reasonable multiple, about 13 yeah. times earnings. It does, yeah. uh, might even be a bit lower than that now. Mm-hmm. It's fallen a long way uh, and it's it's a wonderful company. So mm. I think it's a fair fair price for, for a great company. Yeah, for sure. So just taking a small position in that, yeah. um, and that's I, again. I, I read somewhere that um, Buffett bought into Apple. Yeah, he's um, he's he's very heavily invested into Apple. Yeah. I think it's his biggest holding, and yeah, has right. been for some time. Yeah, yeah. But so, I think he bought recently, like he bought more yeah. shares recently, and he, it was well above today's prices. So yeah. obviously, if he liked it then, he must love it now. Exactly, he's been buying. I think over the last eighteen months or so, right. basically at just constant intervals, and mm. I think. He, he, his position is that it's that people just run their lives through this company, and mm. and I agree with that. Mm. It's it's uh we're recording on an Apple phone right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Go upstairs and use a Apple computer, yeah. um, laptop, uh, iPad. Yeah. It, it's, it, I think it has a really good ecosystem, and it's very hard to displace those companies once they get a, a good foothold. So, mm. obviously, there's competitors coming from from various you know, directions, but mm. I think Apple is in a really, really strong position. So mm. I see as low risk given the the multiple that it trades on and, and potentially I could see it, if it grows a little bit plus the multiple expands a little bit, mm. then you can get a fair bit of upside for very little risk. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a stock that has always retained massive amounts of its profits, well, all of its profits. And uh, when there was the... And I think part of that was, you know, as a result of the tech wreck back, back in 2000, there were a lot of good companies with a lot of good ideas that ended up, one, either going out the back door or two, getting picked up by somebody else with money for very, very low prices. So I think part of the Apple thinking was to build up this war chest, not only to, I guess, protect them from getting taken over or going out of business, but also to give them flexibility. You know, and it is a bit of a crazy thing that in stock markets we do concentrate so much on this metric return on equity, and you know, companies have to be lean and they have to be able to, you know, use the minimum amount of money to produce the maximum amount of profits. But when there is a downturn in the market, it can really upset these stocks that have been running on a really skinny. Um, budget because that's the worst time then to want to to have to go and raise funds or try and get money um, from from shareholders so Apple this time around you know and this isn't a tech wreck but obviously the Nasdaq has come back 20% or thereabouts it's come back despite the fact that obviously it's not going anywhere you know so and it's and again it's in a great position with everything else coming back if it wants to go you know and, and acquire some businesses so um, yeah, I think I agree there, there has to be an opportunity there with the stock trading on such a low multiple. Yeah. I mean, I feel it's priced in a lot of disappointments priced in. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they do have a major fall in unit sales and things like that, then mm-hmm. okay, that, that could be problematic for them. But, mm-hmm. uh, 
the, the shift that they're trying to make is towards services revenue and to have, have people paying for, for apps within their ecosystem and right. subscriptions for their various services that they can offer. And mm-hmm. I think they've got a perfect perfect platform to do that, to transition. Absolutely. So, uh, so again, uh, you might get a re-rating on the, on the multiple as well if they can generate some growth through that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, we look at most tech stocks are trading generally in excess of 20 times, but... Yeah. Uh, but much closer to that number at least. So yeah. there's, there's, there's some upside, hopefully. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's always, it's, it, I mean, I, I, I don't follow the overseas markets as much as obviously you do, but, you know, the stocks that I do look at, Apple has always stood out to me as an anomaly, I suppose, trading on such a lower price uh, earnings ratio than, uh, than everything else around it, basically. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, looks good. And if Buffett likes it, it's hard to argue with him. Yeah, it's a good company to be in, so I'll take it. Yeah, very good. Uh, anything else? Anything else? Any other thoughts on the market? Or uh, I think on that topic, I do. I I do think that there's uh, there's one other stock that that could be a useful one for for people listening, which is uh, called Technology Tigers. It's an ETF. Okay. Uh, that uh, is a amalgamation of the largest 50 tech companies in Asia. Yep. So I think a lot of those companies have come back a long way over the past 12 months and yeah. they are all absolute top, top shelf companies. Okay. I think or a lot of them are top shelf companies. Mm-hmm. They're equivalent of your, of your Amazons and Netflix and Googles in, in uh, America. Yep. Their equivalents in, in China and, uh, and other parts of Asia are, are within this, uh, the ambit of this stock. So yeah, I think it could have a really good run if you, if you wanted to go for something that was low risk and mm. um, and have you know get some exposure to that to that industry and, yeah. and that part of the world then it's it's potentially a really good time to do that. Yeah, right. I personally have exposure to a lot of these companies individually. Mm-hmm. Um, I have shares in Baidu, which is the the Chinese Google, yeah. um, in Alibaba, which yeah. is the the Amazon or eBay equivalent, depending on how you look at it. JD.com. Mm. Uh, and these can all be packaged up into this uh, this ETF. So mm. I'm generally not a massive fan of ETFs, but I mm. think that this one really does offer something quite unique and mm. and a really simple way to get exposure to uh, to a, a booming market. Okay, what's the uh, code for that? And where do you, where can you buy this? It's uh, the code is Asia, so yeah. it's easy to remember. Yeah, and uh, you can buy it on the ASX. Okay, Asia A S I A on the ASX. Very good, and it's called. Technology I think it's tigers. Technology tigers. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good one to if you if you uh, want exposure to a basket of stocks and let somebody else worry about um, managing it all and everything else. Well, then, yeah, sounds great. Yeah, I think we often don't get enough exposure um, to other markets, so it's it's a and the multiples of, of these stocks in Asia are much lower, aren't they? Yes. Um, I mean, obviously they've come they've back. Come back a long way. It depends but even on... before they came back. Did they were they up there like uh, like the Amazons on these sorts of multiples or? Well, Amazon they... Amazon has always been the highest, or it's it's yeah. always outrageous. It's multiple, but yeah. um, they were yeah still less, mm. but uh, much much closer, quite, I guess. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. so because still... I just didn't know if there was maybe like a structural difference between their markets and the U.S. markets, and everybody just pays a premium because they you know there's not as. It's not as easy, I guess, to get an insight into the you know into the Chinese market or whatever, and so yeah. therefore they trade at a discount. But I guess it's good to know that they. Well, they they definitely trade at a discount, um, but a lot of these stocks are trading on the American markets now. So, right. um, 
so Alibaba is is on on the U.S. stock exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, Baidu, uh, most of the companies that I mentioned are. Yeah, uh, okay. Tencent, I think, sits in the Hong Kong stock exchange. But aside from it, they're yeah. they're mostly trading on the U.S. Okay. exchange. So, uh, yeah, this it depends on the company. I I, I don't like to group things together too much because mm. I think we you know people talk about the fang stocks in America and you're talking about five companies that are so fundamentally different. They just mm. they just happen to be large and you know have have a technology center there but sure uh so grouping these i, I wouldn't uh, there's a big difference for example between the multiple that you pay for alibaba versus um baidu mm-hmm. so baidu trades at a very low multiple at the moment despite having all of the same kind of levers that mm-hmm. a company like google has at mm-hmm. its disposal it just doesn't have the same cross-country mm-hmm. uh, leverage but okay it, these, com- these companies could really expand a lot through Asia as well and, and potentially find other targets that, that the American companies haven't haven't gone after so hard. So sure. uh, I think there's a battle coming up there too between those companies. They're, they're going to start, start crossing paths and, and mm. yeah, mm. it's, it's going to be really interesting to see the way that plays out. Mm. But uh, yeah, for example, Baidu, I think there's been some negative sentiment about Google trying to come back into China and things like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be as easy as people... Okay. People suggest mm-hmm. so I think they've 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 got a fair moat around mm. their business and they traded a really really fair price so again there's a lot of companies in that in that basket that are, mm-hmm. that are very reasonably uh, valued mm. Mm. sounds good yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else uh, nothing else for me I don't think yeah uh, the other know. thing I did look at actually, and uh, this might be an interesting thing to talk about, was uh, often most weeks I'll look at the short interest in various different companies on the ASX. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, one company that we've talked about a fair bit recently is JB Hi-Fi. Yes. And being Christmas season, again, yes. that sort of brought that company top of mind. Yes, of course. Uh, it still has a huge amount of short interest, but mm. it is declining. So okay. it was around 20% of shares were, were held short. Which Unbelievable. is Unbelievable. Such a good company. Yeah, it's, it's the highest on, on the ASX by some distance. Mm. Um, but that's come back down to about 17.5. That's a pretty big move down. Okay. So I'm going to be watching that fairly closely. I think if that starts to contract, then that company mm-hmm. may, uh, may be in a position to start... Um, to start growing again price-wise mm-hmm. because I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the business model. I suspect it's probably going to report well again. Yeah, well, I, I, I bought a few things from JB this Christmas and uh, I can't fault the experience. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very good experience. But uh, yeah, the, the other thing that I did uh, in the last week or so was sold shares in Challenger, which we'd spoken about previously. And, okay, um, yeah. Which I still think is a... Is a uh, is a good company that's trading at a relatively fair price. I sold them for practical purposes as much as anything. Right. But one thing I did notice was that it, it has had increasing short interest in it as well. So looking right. through these tables, yes. about 7% of its shares are now shorted. Right. And that's been growing. So okay. That's I, I, I tend to start to worry once it gets up to a figure like that. Yeah. So I start to think, well, what have, what have I missed in the analysis here? And Well, as I always say, the shorters tend to be the, the professionals of the market you know so they're, they're the guys that are i mean markets rise over 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 history markets rise anybody that shorts takes that position they're taking a position against the overall long-term trend of the market and 
Um, so they're, they're professionals. They know what they're doing most of the time. doesn't mean they don't get it wrong sometimes, but yeah, if they're, if they're creeping up on CGF, you've definitely got to do some homework and work out if you can work out why that is. Mm. Um, funny you sold that. I started, it's come onto my radar a bit more lately. It's coming down, especially dipped down to pretty close to $9, mm. I think. It's starting to look a bit more like decent value again yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I say, there's was, was practical reasons where I yeah, had to I make a, um, a decision about it. But yeah. this, I just thought I'd mention because this was something that that's came into my thinking was yeah. looking at the, the short positions and, and uh, knowing that, that that's going to create some downward pressure on the price. Yeah, for sure. Another one that sits in there that's surprising that all in a way is surprising is BHP has gone up to 6% shorted. Okay, okay. Uh, I wonder what that's a bet on. I mean, that's 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 potentially a bet on a... Uh, I don't know, because the, the material stocks don't always do terribly in recessions, funnily enough. So I don't know what that theme is where you would be shorting BHP. I don't know. BHP's been doing pretty well lately. Mm-hmm. In a, in a tough market they've uh, I think I saw something today they're 11 week highs or something like that so um, I, I've got some BHPs and uh, I think they're I think they're going okay but I, if, if the market does bounce it's probably one of the stocks I'll offload you know because it just from a technical perspective if they if they do rise another two or three dollars they'll be getting right up to the top of their recent uh, channel I suppose so I'll probably take profits on them yeah Another one we mentioned, which was uh, Bingo, is about 5% shorted too. Yeah, well, Bingo makes sense. I mean, Bingo's obviously got problems, so we'll, we'll see what happens with Bingo. You know, they're obviously betting that um, they're not going to be able to bed down this acquisition or they're going to have to give up a lot to get it, so um, it makes sense, but we'll just have to see. Mm. I still like the company. I'm still a holder of Bingo. Yeah. I still like the... Uh, yeah, but it, it, this acquisition's a big one that's before the ACCC at the moment, so we'll just have to see. Anything else on there, on your on your list over there? No, I think that's about it. Okay, very good. So, um, yeah, Challenge is a tricky one. It's just everything about... There's so much about Challenger I like, but it's still a hard company to understand when, when it comes to the way that they value their assets and the way that they report their earnings still that's the only thing that's off-putting and I think that's the only thing that's off-putting to a lot of people otherwise you know based on the thematic based on the history of the company the performance of the company it's a stock that probably should trade at almost double the price that it is Mm. Um, but it's just I have a rule about not understanding stocks and that's one that's not easy to understand so yeah yeah yeah, look, it's one that I've obviously wavered on and uh, mm. gone back and forth with. So, yeah, uh, may may dip back in at some point, but for now, I think there's... There I don't think there's some... any rush. Yeah. I don't think there's any rush. Um, I still like looks of Aristocrat. It's come back to 21. I like Aristocrat you know, just, too. Just to, yeah. just to finish off, I suppose. I, that's one stock that I keep looking at and I, I, I can't bring myself to pull the trigger yet, but um, 21 bucks... It's now below what I would consider fair value. It's, it's not far below fair value, but again, this is a very subjective thing, this concept of fair value. And you know, you can look at a stock like CSL and you can scratch your head all day and wonder why it trades at such a high multiple. And if you compare it yeah. to other stocks on um, 
lower multiples that may even have better growth prospects than CSL, um, it's hard to do it. But you know, when you've got a stock that's just, it just it's, it is the definition of a blue chip. And um, aristocrat up until the recent uh, disappointment to the market was also considered a blue chip. And that's why it's come back so far. But you know, now $21, technically it looks good. Fundamentally, it's looking pretty attractive. Um, so the only thing I don't like about it is so many people seem to be talking about it. So there's so many other people that are looking at it as well. And I think that are already shareholders in it. So it gets to a point where everybody likes the stock. There's nobody left to buy the stock. And uh, that could be the problem with that stock. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks compelling, to be honest. So yeah. it's probably one we need to dig into a bit further. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely sits at pretty much the top of my list of stocks that I'd Again, taking a medium to longer term view that uh, I probably would consider buying in the next few months if we see markets stabilise. I suppose one other one that I might mention is car sales. Yes, and, yes car uh, sales. I think we've talked about that a little bit, but uh, it, it's another stock that's come back a long way. That's a, It's been a blue chip growth stock. It's been very successful over the last five or so years, but there's been these external pressures that have come in recently that have pushed it down. And I think it's looking, you know, looking cheap valuation wise assuming mm. that it can continue some kind of growth mm. so there's, there's some headwinds headwinds with it mm. um you know, there's some justification for why it should fall back but i think it's it's looking quite interesting in a similar way to aristocrat so the whole vehicle space automobiles whatever you want to call it on the market has been absolutely crunched mm. uh, new car sales were down 5.7 percent i i look i'm pulling numbers out but it was a big number anyway in November, I think, that I heard. Uh, and so stocks like uh, AP Eagers and uh, AHG, sorry, can't remember what the name of it is, but <laughs> AHG is the, one of the big ones. Automotive, yeah, yeah, automotive yeah. Holdings. Yeah. Uh, they've come back heaps. And I don't know if car sales gets a little bit of that sentiment as well. Mm. I don't know. I don't know much about car I, sales. I, as I, a stock. Think that's, I think that's a big part of it, right. definitely. Um, but on that topic, I noticed that uh, at AP Eagers, Nick Politis has been loading up on the stock. Yeah. So that's, that's generally a good sign. So he obviously thinks seems it's cheap. A, seems like a pretty savvy guy, Nick Politis. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he, he knows obviously what, what's happening at the ground level there. Yeah, exactly. And it could be just a one-off for some reason, something. Who knows? Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, it's always anyway. a good sign to see the directors and the guys on the inside exactly. buying their own stock. Yeah. So there's a couple to watch there too. Yeah. Do you, do you know anything about Seek? Is that a stock that's also... I haven't tracked that you've Seek that at, closely. Uh, there's a lot to like about Seek. Uh, Cause I, 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 I don't know if it's just ignorance, but I kind of think of car sales and REA and Seek yes. as sort of in a, a similar no, sort of I mean, basket. They, they are in a similar sort of basket. They're very much uh, digital businesses that, that are uh, you know, uh, just just connecting different people, really. Mm. I mean, there's not much to them in a lot of ways. They don't, they don't offer anything other than an online service, but mm. they've built a marketplace Mm. that's that's very niche for the particular things that they offer and they've they've been the ones that have survived and have mm. come to dominate those respective marketplaces i think mm. there's there's a lot of similarities in in the way that they work mm. so yeah all of those companies low cost mm. uh low overhead models mm. potentially generate huge amounts of cash mm. the, the, the big thing that's concerning is just the competitive nature and how quickly those things can swing but mm. 
you'd have to say that once you've entrenched yourself, you, you've got a pretty good chance of sticking around. Yeah, of course. And that's the way I'm thinking about car sales at the moment because it really has entrenched itself. I think if you're buying a car today, mm. for all the other you know, new things that are coming up, mm. uh, car sales is probably still where you'd go. Yeah. Uh, there's Gumtree cars, there's the Facebook marketplace, things like that. Those are the threats, but yeah. I still think if, you, if you're trying to find a car or you're trying to sell your car, more mm. importantly, mm the place you'd really be willing to pay the list, it would be car sales. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but the same thing with, with those other companies you mentioned. I mean, REA's got Domain and, and various other competitors in that space. I think uh, Seek, you know, one of the things I don't like about Seek is that I think LinkedIn could make a really good... Yeah, I was going to say LinkedIn would have to be its biggest threat. I think LinkedIn could make really good inroads into that space. And I think they've they've failed to capitalize that on that in a lot of ways. Yeah. But LinkedIn has the job seeker profiles that seek yeah. probably won't ever get or yeah. at the moment it doesn't look like they're going to get and that's the big thing that they're missing uh but they seem to have they still seem to be doing quite well you know without that so whether that's a you know a real or perceived threat i'm not sure mm. yeah i don't know much about them but yeah i just i see them all in that same sort of category and i see that they've all come back a long way and i see them kind of you know you've got your the your afterpays and your appens and all these the, the 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 new breed i guess of tech stocks if you like mm. and i see the reas and the car sales and the seeks as being just like they used to be but they're just you know five or ten years down the track sort, sort of, of thing you know gone out of fashion yeah they've gone out of fashion and everybody's looking at those and you know but these guys have been incredible businesses in their own right as well yeah yeah, agreed. I think there's probably an opportunity with those stocks. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we'll have a bit of a look next time. Mm. Cool. All right, mate. I think that's uh, that's us. I think we've probably got to make a disclaimer right about now. Do you want to make the disclaimer about the fact that this we're not experts, we're not qualified, we're not uh, financial advisors, we're not telling anybody to do anything? Well, speak for yourself, but... Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> No, this is definitely not financial advice. I, I think we That's should clarify what I was that. Trying to say yes, absolutely. Yes, no financial advice. Just uh, having a chat, and uh, that's about it. Yep, that's it. Just enjoy talking about stocks and love this it. Is, this is what we do. Love so. it. Yeah, very good. All right, thanks, mate. Until next time. Sounds good. Take it easy. See you next time. Bye.